Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to T. Watts and TR on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL alongside site publisher Tim Watts. Tim we got some Iron Bowl leftovers to dig into. Might need a little mayonnaise to help get some of those uh, sandwiches down after last Saturday in Auburn. We'll get into the Alabama-Georgia matchup coming up Saturday as well. Man, we got UA Hoops tonight in the ACC-SEC Challenge. We've got a roundtable mailbag. we got a lot to do, Tim. It's a busy time of year, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you get all the sports. You know, it is. I mean, it did hit me, you know, Saturday night that after the Iron Bowl later, um, that was the end of the regular season and, uh, how it, I mean, it seems like it was long in some ways. I mean, how far, how far along, I mean, it seems like South Florida was two years ago, right? <laughs> Where we're at now, but also it was gone in a blink of an eye with the season. I'm not one of those guys. I had the guy sentimental on the message board that times always went fast when it came for college football to me. I don't know about you or other people. It's not cause I'm older, but you get 12 games in the NFL, you get 16, you know, major league 162, NBA 82, college basketball, 35 games or so. It's just quick, fast, and in a hurry. It just means more. And it just seems to go by faster, doesn't it? And we talked about that before and why I've become less and less of a countdown guy. I do the roster countdown, which I enjoy doing every summer, but seems like as soon as I get done with that, I'm writing about either the Iron Bowl or an SEC championship game. Seems like nothing else happens in between. It's literally a vapor, the college football season. So, uh, Tim, have you recovered from Saturday? Uh, We talked about Iron Bowl leftovers. Anything else? You know, I've had some thoughts that have come to me since even Sunday, right? You think you process everything in the immediate aftermath of a game like that. But that's a game where it takes a couple of days to kind of – get through everything you think you even saw. Yeah, the second watch, and I know you actually have a great feature called second watch, but watching that game a second time, and you see a lot more because, there, I mean, it happens. Again, that happens. It's intense. There's many small things. You go back and look at missed opportunities. Um, I mean, on the touchdown, I don't know what you do there. You know what I mean? I don't know what you do. You know, I watched the sideline for Alabama. I think it's the best. Some people lost their mind. Some people just stood there. You know what I mean? There's like a delayed reaction. So take um, take me through, Tim Watts, the immediacy before the play, the mindset of Tim Watts, then as the play is happening, and then Tim Watts immediately post-play. Give us a, uh, give us a review of that the sort of 20 to 30 seconds there. Well, when I'm frustrated, I work. And that includes watching any sporting event. Last night I was – cleaning the Pelicans were blowing another game and I was out there cleaning the kitchen watching at it. Um, I was cleaning my wife's back porch, which was a travesty. It was, I was six inches deep in leaves. And I was By the way, why does that word have to be travesty? You know, I mean, couldn't it is they six have come up with something leaves. else? Timesty? Couldn't when it be Timesty instead of travesty? When I, yes. When I'm sweeping and hit something hard under those leaves, I'm wondering if it's a dead body. 
Like it wasn't just sweeping off the porch. So that's also where I smoked my cigar. So had that nervous energy. But when that, when after the bad snap, you know, I didn't know what to say. You know, I don't know what to feel. It's, it's very, very similar to the second and 26, right? Except it was two downs instead of four. But I will say when Javen dropped back to pass, he was looking for something. That's what I was thinking. Like, this dude is looking for something. There's not going to be some pass thrown up into a jumble of three or four people, and everybody started saying Hail Mary, which it absolutely wasn't. He was looking for something. And when he threw it, he had confidence, and I heard him go, Ugh. I saw him put that muscle in it. And then uh, Bonds, you know, I'm a huge Bonds guy. I've loved him ever since. But the biggest thing with Bonds was that track time that, you know, he had good hands, track time, but how quickly would he adjust to being a wide receiver? And tip of the hat to, you know, Holman Wiggins, who, I mean, you see that guy make that catch, the slot, you know, the high point it. Yeah. The, yeah. Created enough, created enough the, separation. Hey, that yeah. guy, you know what? They can cry about that crap all they wanted. He was holding his arm. It's a uh, in college football, especially. He was holding uh, his arm. That was a great it's MMA. So that's you, a you professional get you get. catch is what it was. Yeah, it two was feet down too. Catch. Yeah, and you know the thing we're not really talking about as much, and I, I've watched it so many times before it hit me, is that Jalen threw him open. Jalen threw to a corner he wasn't in. He wasn't standing back there. He threw him, and then you know, of course, he went and got it. So, um, and I'm watching the game by myself. You know, most people don't like to be around me. And uh, you know what I mean? As I, when I was younger, I didn't mind acting a fool. But as I got older, I was like, hey, I'm a little too old to be smoking a cigar and kicking stuff. I'll just do it in my thing. But, uh, yeah, my daughter was excited. And I've never seen her excited about a game. Now, she wouldn't have been depressed if they lost. She's that she's that kind of girl. But she was, like, excited, like eyes brimming. And, I mean, it was uh, – I really don't know what. I called some of my – you know, a couple of my closest friends. You know, you've always got the guy saying, we're going to lose at kickoff. And then the guy, don't worry, we're going to win. You know, my best thing was the two texts from two of my – now, all my friends, we don't – I, we don't talk trash. I mean, probably think I don't talk trash. I don't like to hear it. I go straight personal. I'm starting talking about their mamas. So we just skip all the trash talk. But the two I do talk to both text me and said, I knew that was going to happen on that play. And I cussed them out. I was like, oh. get the heck out of here. You didn't know that. You did not know that. Get the heck out of here. No way. There's, a, there's no in between, right? With fans. They're either a fatalist that, we're going to lose from the opening snap or the first sign of any type of adversity. Oh we're we're losing. This is the Jordan Hare thing again. That is, that's the and then there's the fan you. that when it's all said and done says, had them all the way. I had it. I knew yeah. it. No worries. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that is it. Now my wife is a super optimistic person. She's like, we're not, it's not over. It's not over down four to basketball game with 0 0.8 seconds. Um, 0 0.8 seconds left. She'll think that we're still, you still got a chance in that game. Um, me, I'm more of a realist. I go with the sense of the play, like, oh, they're in, oh no, the bad snap. Oh, this, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of going with him, but nothing's worse than the first quarter gave up an 18 yard run. And like, why is he still got steel as the defensive coordinator? That guy <laughs> catches all my smoke. And I love some of them. They're some of my best friends. Far, the far yeah, friends. Yeah. You got your why far friends. F-A-H-R. Yes, yeah. that is like instantly. And then later on, it's I love steel. And you saw a lot of yeah. that this year with the Tennessee game. I hate steel. I love steel. You saw that the LSU They love game. second half steel. 
Yeah, yeah. first half they, steal that some of the fans aren't big on. That was just, uh, you know, I will say I think it's time we address the voodoo. And I said this in my Nuggets post is uh, on my game thoughts, but I think voodoo now goes both ways there, right? Well, I mean, I if mean, you're Auburn, the could last... there be two more crushing defeats on no. your home field than what Alabama has no. handed you each no. of the last two times it has been in that stadium? No, and we talked about this yesterday on the recruiting show, but if you're a coach for Auburn, I think you could have handled a 28-17 loss. I think you could have handled a 31-20 loss. I think you could have handled that because you're like, this is why we need you. But to win for 59 minutes and some change and then have to go in there and tell some 18-year-old kid, <laughs> you know, it that's it. that was a devastating blow. I, think, I, don't, I don't know if anybody – I mean, you've been in games when, you know, nobody yeah. – I'll tell you this. Nobody ever gripes about the Bama-Clemson blowout in 18, right? No. It didn't dig in. It I do long. because I went all the way out there for yeah, it. You, that was yeah, was a long way to go to take yeah, one like that, that. But yeah, but I'm saying people, you never see them gripe about that game on the message board. It was the right. be, maybe the best college team in the history of offensive football. That roster is a friggin' a NFL. It was unbelievable. I mean, the and if it wasn't, the one with Deshaun Watson might have been. Right, this the is one freshman game. Trevor Lawrence. You know, yeah, what I, I mean, you had so, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's after was a you good saw Deshaun in that team. Yeah. But but the fact they blew them out, you didn't really care about it. You don't talk about it. But every close game, you remember. So uh, so I do believe it's better to get blown out and just not even watch the fourth quarter than to lose in that fashion. So it um, is. I, I, I guess I can see both ways of that. And you know how this works. And you said it, too. It's hard after a loss like that. But coaches, they say, you know, if we just had you. Yeah. On that last play or in that fourth quarter when well, we couldn't get in, when we couldn't get into the end zone in the red zone on offense. If we got you, we score a touchdown there and it's 28-20 instead of 24-20. Yeah. And then that final sequence, if we got you, yeah, you know how that works. That's fair. Even but again, that's uh, that's the same pitch. Up down 55 nothing if we got you. <laughs> Up 55 nothing if we got you. But, so but it's just one play. That's that's how close we are, Tim. We're just yeah. one well, it play was just, away. It's an unbelievable game. I mean, I'm surprised, you know, again, I'm watching it again that Alabama was losing. I mean, I felt like Auburn, and look, I'm gonna give Auburn some credit. I think Auburn had a great game plan, and I think they played well, and I'm not taking anything from them. But they forced Alabama to miss some opportunities, and Alabama just missed some opportunity. Well, the holding call at seven nothing when Kendrick Law's touchdown comes back, that's huge because if it goes to fourteen yeah, to nothing there in the first quarter, does Auburn stay patient, Tim, and continue to try to run the football? No, I think no. that whole sequence, not just the hold, but the shank punt. Then you give Auburn the football out at the thirty, and then Auburn looks and round and says you know it's still only seven nothing we don't yeah. have to do anything different than what we thought we were going to do coming into this game then they get that run game going and that's that the, just that just totally changed the complexion of that game that's the thing with sports that are so emotional like basketball is that way football is that way more than any anywhere else i'm aware of but uncle mo flips and it's hard to get it back because you're right it's 14 nothing coasting through a game two easy touchdown drives and then a penalty, a shank punt, a long run, a good finish, touchdown seven to seven. All of a sudden, we got playing a, four quarters. We got a different ball game because you're right. We got a team that didn't pass for a hundred yards. That's now behind, you know, behind the clock. They're down fourteen to nothing. You're right. How long can they afford? Because if they're fourteen nothing and don't score, I mean, Alabama's looking for 
you know, Alabama's out there shark, you know, blood in the water, sharks trying to put that thing away. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much. It doesn't. And uh, you're right. I mean, Auburn in the last two Iron Bowls hadn't thrown for over 100 yards in either of those games, but they have run for a combined 560 plus. So that's yeah. kind of the and they rushed the for 200 against Georgia too. I mean, they've got the they've got the Jockeys Hunter is a really good runner. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie Ashford didn't have a game. Um, you know, I've seen him have better games, but he's kind of that threat when you come in there. Um, Peyton Thorne hurt him in the second half with quarterback draw, zone read keep. Yeah, and those that were good, hey, smart those were, in that offense. Those were he very knows how good, to run it. Those were very good play calls too. So mm-hmm. you know, Auburn yeah. got some credit. Auburn has always been Hugh Freeze and Gus Malzahn have always been a good matchup for Alabama and Georgia, oddly enough, because of the defense they run and the offenses they run. Um, I've always felt it was kind of a little bit, and people talk about that. College coaches talk about that every year about the matchup. It's not a good matchup for everybody or they'd have better records in their career, but against Alabama and, and against the Kirby smart, I mean, they're more competitive than they usually are. And, you know, again, Jordan Hare, you know, I expected Alabama to win. I had them predicted to win by 20. Um, but I did say the whole year this was the game that worried me because it's Jordan Hare. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's a it's a mess down there. I mean, it's I didn't I wouldn't say there was any voodoo with Alabama's last two wins, but I thought that like somebody posted the scores out in Tuscaloosa, it's like 36 to 20. Is that right? And then in Auburn, it's 28-28. So yeah, decidedly, it's a lot tighter. Yeah, it's decidedly. I, you know, my thoughts right before that snap, Tim, was I got to do instant analysis right after this. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was mm-hmm. my thoughts. And then also second watch for Sunday. How many people are going to watch a second watch if Alabama loses that game? You yeah, know? I've never seen the kick six twice. <laughs> I mean, even if it, they try to show it to me all week, I didn't you see turn your head. I didn't see that damn thing one time this week. I promise you. If I look up and Alabama's kicking a field goal, I click the channel. Oh, man. I go, uh, straight, I go straight to Twitter, see what the Braves are trying to sign. Speaking of the live streaming we do, uh, we certainly appreciate your comments and questions here. As we are live on this Tuesday morning, text Tider checking in, our guy, Jamie M. checking in here in the comments. Bob Rutherford, welcome appreciate to all of you. guys. Thank you to the program. So let's get into Georgia a little bit. And I'll start with um, previous matchups between these teams. You talked about it earlier. I mean, the second and 26 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the 2018 college football playoff national championship game will always stand alone, not just for this series, but when you're talking college football history uh, from that perspective. But for you, are there some Georgia games other than that one? That, that maybe stand oh, yeah. out going back to even the eighties and ninety. I mean, we are that old Tim. Yeah. You know, to me, the game, you know, the games, I don't know if the games just lately have been at a next level, but uh, how about the year Jalen hurts comes in, you know, I mean, literally, I mean, the thing about Alabama, they have so many situations that if you made them a movie, you would say that's, that's bull crap. That kid did not stay an extra year to back up a first round pick and then come in and be the hero in the SEC championship game. But I'll never forget Jalen, forget Jalen Hurts coming in for an injured Tua. Um, the batted pass against Georgia when they were threatening to score and take the lead late. You know, yeah. I'll always remember going to Georgia, the Scott Cochran. Uh, they're Blackout wearing black game. because they're going to a funeral. I'll never forget Scott Cochran saying that. You know why they're wearing black? They're going to a funeral. Um 
that game was very intense. Did a great job too, shutting down Nick Chubb until that's a great story about Nick Chubb getting that long run and Austin. I mean, uh, Sean and those guys were going, who blew it? Who blew it? And they said, Ruben, and Ruben's hiding from them. Those <laughs> D-linemen are like looking for Ruben. What'd you do? So great, uh, great stories there. Um, the national championship game they lost. I mean, the games recently have all been fantastic. I mean, people forget Alabama was winning that national ch- championship game against Georgia. They lost. Fourth quarter. You know, I mean, this, lead, that's yeah. how, yeah, that's how good these games have been. And, and I don't say that lightly because Georgia to me has always been a good football program. They've never been at the level they are now. They're at a different level with Kirby Smart. But they were always competitive in the SEC championship game and getting good recruits. I think Kirby just ramped it up, you know, kind of like a, you know, learning from Nick. Or Yeah, I guess I go back to the high school days, man. Vince Dooley at Georgia, Ray Perkins at Alabama. Of course, before that, uh, Bear Bryant. But, man, my senior year of high school, 1985, Alabama beat Georgia in Athens on Labor Day night. Mike Shula to Al Bell. I remember that. Remember that one? Yeah, and then in the 90s, uh, you had some classic sort of matchups, uh, especially in 94 in Tuscaloosa, the Jay Barker game there where Alabama got behind to Eric Zier, yeah. comes back at home. That was one of the wildest environments I'd ever encountered at Bryant-Denny Stadium there in 94. The blackout game that you mentioned, Alabama goes over there after hammering Clemson in Atlanta, goes to Athens and does a number on Matthew Stafford, no Sean Marino. Heck of I was a on the field for that game. They didn't have a spot for me in the press box for that game because we were still at the time internet guys. You know? I remember, I remember and so I was days. on the field with Josh Pate. Josh Pate was doing shooting video down there. I was just on the field. And uh, that was that was incredible to be on the field when Alabama was delivering those big shots early in that game. And I caught myself just looking at the crowd. Every time Alabama would score, Julio in the corner of the end zone, those type of plays, I would just look at the crowd and the disbelief on the faces in Sanford Stadium that night. I'd never seen and again, that. Never was a good, again, like that was that. a good Georgia football team. Very I mean, that's good. The thing about it. These are good teams that play each other. Um, very heated contest for the most part. Um and again, I think we're going to get a, a pretty good one on Saturday. I don't know about everybody else. I'm just excited to see this Alabama team here and rather comfortably. You know, they had, you know, regardless of the Auburn loss, they had won the West and, um, you know, have some really good wins under their belt. I know a lot of the stuff's just caught up in the playoffs. I haven't really got caught up in those playoff rankings of you because there's nothing you can. I haven't can, because I've kind of been looking at this game, especially with the thought that Alabama would beat Auburn. So that mm-hmm. thought took a momentary respite there late on yeah. Saturday evening. But once Alabama got through Auburn, Tim, my perspective of this game Saturday has been it is a college football playoff game. I agree. I, I don't need the TV show tonight to tell me that this is a, a, a an important game. To me, it's a college football playoff game. Now, yeah. where it gets interesting is if Alabama wins Saturday and the CFP somehow still keeps the Crimson Tide out. And Georgia out, right? Well, Georgia, I would think, would be out. Maybe Georgia stays in. I mean, in. seriously, but can if you, you have a scenario it? where you don't have an SEC team in this playoff, what's what's the validity level well, of a playoff? Also, you'd be looking SEC at a Georgia team. team who's only lost is Alabama, who's a top five team at that point. Yeah, and then um, you'd be looking at an Alabama team left out, whose only losses to a top five Texas. 
I don't know how you keep Alabama out instead of Georgia, though, when Alabama in the last 31 games would have handed Georgia its only two losses. No, I, I know agree. you're not I supposed would, to go would, back to previous years and all that, but that's the reality. That would I think be in almost play. any other year, if Alabama beats Georgia, both of them are locks to be in. Yeah. That's what's crazy. I'll tell you this. If that were to happen, which I don't I don't think it will, but I definitely could be wrong. I don't trust that committee. I, I, Alabama's going to go from eight to four <laughs> if everybody else wins. I'll tell you what we should do. You I should think take, they should. Well, if Georgia and Alabama don't make it, you should take the other two teams that don't make it. You should play that final four and yeah. see who gets the highest. Uh... Play it like the NIT. That's what yeah. it will be. Without yeah, the you SEC, have, you'll have the you can have Ohio playoff State. NIT. You can have Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia in this wild scenario in the NIT bracket. You know what I mean? That would be – and you th- hey, where would the viewers be? You're talking about 13 of the last 17 national champions coming from the Southeastern Conference. And you're going to keep that well, league out? The, you yeah. better have the Chiefs and or the Niners as one or two of the teams in that 14 playoff. Look, I had no idea. Out. I had no idea that Texas was possibly getting boxed out. That's how little I paid Good. attention to it. Yeah. I have just assumed Texas was a lock in, but to me, uh, Florida State should already be out. See, that's I don't what care. I don't, I don't care what they, happens in the ACC championship game. Yeah, I mean, game. if you look, that's a big loss. They can't compete with any of those other teams. Oh. I mean, Billy had them beat. Billy Napier and them had them beat. I felt this week. If they'd had Graham Mertz, it was it was really going to be a problem. Now, kudos to, to the job that Noel's staff has done. It's been amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's without a, Jordan like, Travis, they're a you know, they're an L tragic yeah, waiting tra- to happen, and, and I hate it because I like Jordan injury. Travis a lot. Yeah, yeah, he was a good football player. Hey, Mike Norvell's did a terrific job there. I mean, two years ago, I think people were laughing, or last year, maybe laughing about that he was still there, he wasn't going to make it. So, to have them in the playoff discussion at all, they've got a good win over LSU. I still think they're. Really good football team, despite a few losses. I mean, you look at LSU, who has three losses, and they're to who? Bama, FSU, and uh, Ole Miss, right? Three top so. eight to ten losses. I mean, that's how good. Now, next year, that's what I was saying. And the top 12 scenario is LSU in next year in that same. That's You know, we're going to discuss Alabama's schedule later. That's what I was wondering. You know, you get those three top ten losses – have a few good wins. And I think in that still. scenario, if you're a three-loss team in most years, and this year's the exception, even for the four-team, to have this much of a log jam oh, yeah. in the top eight, we haven't had that. Never. You know? But Never. it's perfect transitioning into the 12 because it solidifies a case to go to 12, even though it's the exception, not and the I think that's. I think they're happy with that. I think there's a, oh, yeah. I think there's a mindset with this committee that, well, if we get it wrong this year, don't worry, we go to 12 next year. The committee would very much like to see Georgia win Saturday. Just put it that way. Because if oh, Georgia yeah. wins, absolutely, yeah. and then I'm you're not, totally yeah. off the hook. Yeah, we're not saying a conspiracy, but absolutely. No, no, it makes but their job. A, a if I was on that committee, I would want Georgia. To, I would be, you know, let Georgia win. So we I would want Georgia to win and that. FSU to lose, and then the cards fall where they may. We kind of got what we want. We got the Michigan. We got the – you know, we got the Pac-12 in there. We got Texas and we got Georgia. That's as easy as it's going to get. Yeah. You know, Sam here watching the program with us in the comments says, if Bama beats Georgia, that would give them four top 25 wins. What other team in the top 25 would have that resume? Well, I know Oregon wouldn't, even with a win over Washington in the Pac-12 game Friday night. That would not certainly be the Ducks. For me, again, it just – 
I know you're not supposed to look at the history of a league or teams in a league or teams in college football, but if you're going to figure out a way to keep Georgia and Ala- uh, Georgia and Alabama out, if Alabama wins on Saturday, yeah, you don't, to me, have much of a much of now, a playoff. Now, Georgia lose and get in? Well, that's what I'm. That's that's, that's another. That's a that's another. Because then you set this. Oregon's Washington's ahead of Oregon. Texas ahead of Bama. Y'all don't see how you could put Georgia. I already saw Georgia put sixty on Oregon. What a year ago or so. And yeah. I know again, I'm not supposed to go back to previous seasons, but um, I mean, even I, this I don't season, need to see Georgia Oregon again. If you just need a resume this year, if you just need to eye test this year. I don't see any way in the world you're saying Georgia's not a top four team. I don't think there's many people that are going to argue Alabama's not a top four team. I mean, they're mm-hmm. definitely a top four or five team. You can put them over Washington and FSU out of the gate. That puts them at six right out of the gate. So they're definitely in that discussion. I'm not sure everybody feels the same about other teams. So when you look at this matchup for Saturday, man, all the coaching staff ties with Kirby, Schumann, Muschamp, Scott Cochran. Uh, roster ties too. I mean, which remain Burton coming over from Georgia to Alabama, Trez Marshall coming over. Uh, the, the, those kind of storylines, I was asked about it on a radio show this morning. Uh, they're, they're unavoidable, you know, with not only those connections, but when you watch these two teams play, you feel like you're watching in some ways the same team. Yeah. I mean, when you look and I mean, you got teams that are similar. I mean, it's not surprising that, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are building the same type program. And when they do, you go after the same type players when you recruit. Um, I mean, Carson Beck, Georgia's quarterback, was committed to Alabama at one point. I mean, even looking at the quarterback, you know, that's a funny thing. Like the quarterbacks, you know, we're so used to the dominoes falling, as I call it. Number one commits, number two commits, the dominoes fall. But when you look at this game, you have a Texas commit, former commitment, playing a former Alabama commitment. I mean, you got quarterback, that quarterback that hodgepodge that goes with that. So um, obviously Beck was committed to Alabama for a little while after being committed to Florida for baseball, if I recall correctly, has done a real look. There's been some guys this year and Beck's kind of got lost in my opinion. He's got lost in the Jaden Daniels and the Jalen Milrow love because Jaden Daniels is to me, is just the biggest difference maker at the quarterback position easily this year. And then you got Jalen Milrow who had one of the best glow ups in the country, right? You go from, You know, you go from the, you know, the Texas game to here. He's been really phenomenal. But Carson Beck's done a really good job with that offense. He makes good plays. I mean, a lot of the the criticism of he doesn't see a lot of pressure is true. But a lot of that, Georgia's got a pretty good offensive line. I mean, it's not like nobody's really trying good. to get to Carson Beck. Georgia's got some big, uh, big dudes over there laying helmets on him. So um, a good matchup. I do think this is a matchup Alabama's more comfortable with because we said this all year. You faced your nightmare offensively in Tennessee and LSU. You got a coach that's going to try to scheme you to death and he's really good at it. Josh Heupel. And you got a very unique quarterback with a skill set you can't really practice for, you know what I mean? So in LSU, so this is an easier matchup uh, for Alabama as far as just helmet to helmet and get it in front of somebody. But obviously Georgia's a, you know, super, super talented team. Sam also checking in here. We're going to get to our roundtable mailbag coming up in just a little bit, but Sam is timely with this because I was headed here next. When you talk about matchups on both sides of the ball for this game Saturday, to me it comes down to sort of some wild card players. And I still consider Jalen one of those because of his legs. And I think about 
who Georgia has played to this point in the season. Has Georgia seen anything like this Jalen Milrow? And the Jalen Milrow I'm talking about is since the bye week. Now, Alabama came back from the bye week. Since then, the last four games, Jalen Milrow has rushed for nearly 300 yards and seven rushing touchdowns in that span. So uh, he's that guy for me when talking about the Alabama offense going against the Georgia defense. I'd have Kendrick Law in there, too. Is sort of a utility player that can be very impactful. And then for Georgia, Brock Bauer status. You know, what's that going to be for Saturday? And you want to talk about guys that Alabama hasn't really seen like this season. I I would say he's that guy. Yeah, I mean, Bowers is a very unique guy when it comes to, you know, we mentioned Jake Jaden Daniels at quarterback. I mean, he's obviously the best tight end in the country. Um, I don't really consider him a tight end. I consider him a wide receiver or, a, you know, a wide out. Everything he does, he's not your traditional guy. Very similar to Travis Kelsey, almost line him up anywhere, and it's all that. Plus, he's when he runs, he runs like a tank. I mean, when he <laughs> takes off, there's like a protective shell that covers him. He like hunches his shoulders. It ain't easy to tackle, big boy. No. You know what I mean? So you got that. He's got tremendous ball skills. So that's certainly an advantage for them. But this advantage you're expecting, I think you know Brock's going to get his in this kind of game. Um, I think for, you know, as far as the advantages and disadvantages, Georgia, it's not really sacking the quarterback like they have in the past mm -hmm. as much. Um, they're down a little bit. So maybe that offensive line, which is improved for Alabama, the key to me, the advantage is keeping them away from Jalen. Now, I know Kirby Smart's the same thing as Nick Saban. They don't want to use a spy. That gives them a disadvantage either against the run or against the pass. When you've got a guy just isolated to the quarterback – you are losing somewhere in your secondary, losing somewhere on your front line. So that's going to be one difference advantage for Alabama is taking one of those guys out of the box. And Alabama doesn't have to worry about that with Beck as much, with him being pretty much a drop-back passer. I mean, he can scramble. He's not a bad athlete, but he's a guy that's probably just going to drop back and throw the ball. I would think so. He's a pretty good athlete. And Carson Beck, by the way, coached by the same guy in high school who coached Derrick Henry, Bobby Ramsey down in the Jacksonville area, coached Henry at Uly, then moved to Mandarin and coached Carson Beck. So uh, interesting tie there. But I, I think if you watch that Auburn tape and you saw what Peyton Thorne was able to do with his legs, not that you're going to feature Carson Beck as a runner, but I'm going to guess you got a quarterback draw in this week. You probably have the opportunity for Carson Beck to keep off of some zone read action. But you're right. I think that's yeah. I think that's part of it too. Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell coming off the edges. And can they get pressure? Um, because I don't know if Georgia's seen that kind of tandem. Now, they saw a little bit of it from Tennessee with James Pierce Jr. and Tyler Barron. But I think this is another level of edge um, ability when you talk about what Alabama's got. Yeah, and with Beck running, I mean, it's it was much, much different with the Stetson Bennett, who could pull the ball down and scoot a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, he didn't. I don't know why, but I've always I was always a Stetson Bennett guy. I think the fact how he ended up his career and how he got there. I mean, he was cut. You know, I mean, he was told to leave. You know, and ended up winning a couple of national championships. So he is the underdog role, but he could run. Now he can run. Now now Beck, I don't expect as much. I think he's more of a Greg McElroy kind of scramble when I gotta. So you don't really have to spy him out. You know what I mean? No, but no. I think with Alabama, you try to stop the run game. Um, Georgia's not as good as the run. They're better in the past than they have been, and they're not as good in the run as they have been. It's probably a fair statement. 
Uh, so I think you try to eliminate, make them a passing game. And they've got good, you know, they 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 throw the ball around a lot. When you look at the guys that have caught the ball, it's kind of similar to Milrow. In their box stats, you're seeing eight to ten guys catch passes every game, which is similar to what Milrow does. Yeah, it, it's not just the Bauer show when he's been healthy. I mean, they added a couple of transfers and Ra Ra Thomas and Dom Lovett from the SEC. Um, and then Lab McConkey, his health for this game, too, is up in question to go along with Ra Ra Thomas. So that's what you're going to have your eyes on initially Saturday is the availability of Bowers and Thomas and yeah. McConkey because it's very important. Tim said it, not as dynamic at the running back position, Georgia, this year. The production's still not bad for Edwards and Milton and those two, uh, but they've got some wild card types too in addition to Bowers. A guy like Dylan Bell and some of these guys that they utilize. Mike Bobo's done a really nice job. I know he's caught hell from that fan base, especially in the first half of the season, but they seem to really like Alabama found themselves more and more as the season progressed. Thank you, Sam. He says great assessment. So Appreciate he's it, uh, Sam. And you know, one more note on their offense, it's not they're building an offense around Brock Bowers. They've got tight ends behind them. They've got some highly recruited guys. Oscar Dell. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they got a couple of guys last year. They've got some good guys that fit into their system. They're obviously not Brock Bowers. You know, that's a hard thing, but it's not like they're just doing this because, you know, like LSU's running an offense now that you can't really duplicate. You can't no. go say, hey, you can't go, hey, we're going to run that play where you scramble for 85-yard touchdown. You know, Where's you our Jaden Daniel scout team quarterback? Get him out yeah, there. Yeah, so Georgia's, <laughs> Georgia's offense is built around the tight end. In fact, there were years they signed more tight end to wide receivers probably. So, you know, it's more than that. You've got to account for that uh, – that tight end, whether it's Brock Bowers or whoever it is, they've got some really talented tight ends. And they went to the system a while back. They almost abandoned the wide receiver, went straight to tight end. You know, they had Darnell Washington. They had Eric Gilbert at one point. I mean, those were two five-star guys. Um, there's a reason Jermaine Burns left. You know what I mean? He, he wasn't a tight end. He didn't get as many looks as he thought. And still one of the craziest stories. We talked about it yesterday. Dude won, beat Alabama National Championship was in the locker room with Alabama a week later. What up, boys? Lining so, up his apartment in Tuscaloosa from the locker room. Yeah. In Indianapolis. Crazy scenarios. But, yeah, Georgia's definitely got some 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 talented tight ends on that roster. And they do. And with that, it'll be interesting to see the approach that Kevin Steele and this defensive staff chooses to take. Do you go with a bigger front, especially on early downs? Because you're probably going to be in that nickel package with five defensive backs. Do you have three defensive linemen and one of those outside linebackers? And then try to get into a situation where you can get Turner and Braswell on the field together. Georgia, with the way it has versatility because of Bowers in large part, but also a couple of those other tight ends, they can put you in a tough spot as far as being a little light against the run or maybe being heavy enough against the run, which exposes you to some matchup issues and with those utility-type players. And there's a couple guys you got to watch. I'll tell you one thing that keeps a defense honest. They don't get praised enough or their reverses. Yes. You know, Lad McConkey and um, Rouse. I mean, you don't want that. You know what? Those they keep you honest. You can't really come flying in. Every you saw day. you saw Auburn score so on one last week. Absolutely. So you they've got an offense. Like you said, Mike Bobo's did a good job um of developing. And I think back, you know, we said this before Milrow. We said this early in the year about Milrow. You don't you can't get you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, or how long you've been on the team. Experience really is a difference maker, especially at the quarterback position. 
And I think you're seeing that with Carson Beck. I think you're seeing that with Jalen Milrow. You know, um, I think you're seeing them really improve. And 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 I mean, they're no longer their first year starter. They're clear, <laughs> they're clearly in their second season with these playoffs coming. Yeah, when you think about it from this perspective, um, Carson Beck, same class as Bryce Young. So this isn't a first or even second year guy. It's yeah. a guy that's been around for a while in that Georgia system. Hey, Tim, go ahead. before we get into some hoops talk, I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about this 2024 schedule for Alabama and really the SEC that. in general. No. And you knew it was going to be tough, right? Not just for Alabama, but for SEC teams across the board with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. But now that you see it, like on paper or on a content item, it really hits you different, doesn't it? I mean, when you see the lineup with some specific dates, yeah, it I mean, goes Charlie, to another level. I was in a good mood, and Charlie Potter, our beloved <laughs> Charlie Potter, posted that yesterday, and I was like cussing him under my Potter's breath. Potter's such a hater, man. He I was like, that. dude, you've ruined my day. What is yeah. this? What is this that you've shown us? But yeah, it's brutal. I mean, we're. I tell you this from. The perspective of you want to get in the playoffs with that schedule, you're definitely happy they're going to 12, right? And it's not just them. I mean, there's, I mean, we're looking at Georgia's schedule. Georgia's every, there's a lot of tough schedules coming up. So being, having the comfort of, you know, you know, we went from having to be undefeated to be in a national championship game, then to one loss. And now we're going to be looking at some two loss champions at some point in the future. But yeah, break that schedule down for us and I'll, yeah, Alabama's 2024 football schedule as it stands right now. Charlie had that update for us yesterday at Bama Online. Open with Western Kentucky on August 31st. September the 7th, South Florida visits Tuscaloosa as part of that two-for-one that the Crimson Tide has with the Bulls. Then on September 14th, Alabama goes to Camp Randall, takes on Wisconsin up in Madison. Two weeks later, Georgia visits Tuscaloosa. Now, there is a two-week gap there between Wisconsin and Georgia. I'm guessing that either Missouri, South Carolina, or Vanderbilt that are TBD currently are going to plug into September 21st. So I'm not thinking you're going to have a bye week before Georgia because I think that bye week is probably still going to occur um, before LSU. That would be my guess. We'll see. So you're thinking possibly Wisconsin, Missouri, Georgia back-to-back-to-back? Could to be, back? yeah. Could That's be. not fun. That's not it as could much be. fun. I would think it's either Missouri or South Carolina because coming off that road game at Wisconsin, I would think Alabama would be at home for the next two, but who knows? Alabama might be on the road at Vanderbilt uh, September 21st. So still some things, some blanks to fill in here. Uh, September 28th, Georgia and Tuscaloosa. October the 19th at Tennessee. November 9th at LSU. Mercer in Tuscaloosa on November 16th. Oklahoma in Norman. That could be icy. Now that could, you talk about a weather game in late November, traveling to Norman on November the 23rd, and then the Iron Bowl set for November 30th. Again, to be determined at this point, Missouri at home, South Carolina at home, Vanderbilt on the road. But man, what about those road games at Wisconsin, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma? It's ridiculous, you know, and I know other people are, you know, you, this is the SEC, so it's not like other people. I mean, Georgia's going to be thrown, you know, they're going to be thrown a completely different level with their schedule. Alabama, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be what we thought it was. We've always thought it was the best conference. I mean, I don't see any real breaks. I mean, you can't tell me Missouri's a, a break game. I mean, this is the yeah. top, borderline top 10 team. 
Um, you know, even going to Kentucky, people kind of overlooked that Alabama win at Kentucky, including myself. But that was a heck of a win when you look at how they did it, dismantled the team that went and beat Louisville, you know, just a few weeks later. Um, almost lost the coach, kept a coach. So this is not going to be for the faint of heart, and it's going to be good with uh, having a little leeway not to have to go undefeated or even win loss. It's going to be a monster's row. Now, I do think Alabama is, should bring back a fair amount of offense, and that gives them a little bit of advantage because now you've got a quarterback who's been to Auburn. You know, And, again, you've been to Auburn, you've been to LSU, you've been to Tennessee. You're a seasoned veteran, right? Once you've yeah. been through that – and uh, so that will help them. But I mean, it's. Yeah. Know. And looking at how this lays out now, there are some gaps like between Georgia and Tennessee and also between Tennessee and LSU, where perhaps you could have a second bye week. I think that would be preferred by SEC coaches, given the uh, uptick in the competitiveness that uh, is about to be on the table within the league, but boy, regardless, also from a fan perspective, you talk about expensive trying to travel with yeah. your football team. And then with the possibility still, Tim, of an SEC championship game of an expanded playoff, you know, if you're playing in that first round and looking at following your team throughout the course of the playoff, boy, you, I hope you got rewards points on that. Yeah. You know, uh, those, that those streaks of, 282 games in a row that we've seen people have who are the most dedicated mm -hmm. fans in the world, it's going to be hard to keep up with that. I mean, it's going to be hard, you're right, to make it off all these games. But, I mean, I feel like next year, the college football year, it's going to hit us right in the face. Doesn't Georgia play Clemson? Uh, next year, I'm not sure. I don't I know what they Georgia has on the I saw some – maybe I'm wrong on the years, but I feel like they are. And I, I can look it up. I think we're going to get into the, into the mush – I think we're going to get into it right away. I think we're going well, to. Well, teams had gotten aggressive or more aggressive with the non-conference scheduling under the previous auspice of what conference play was going to look like. Now, with the radical shift of the last yeah. 12 to 18 months, you know, you've got these, these non-conference games that are out there still. Look at Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame down the road, trip to hey, West Virginia, I think. You think those up. get canceled? I think. It depends on if these leagues go to nine conference games. I, I think that's think probably the bigger hard. question. If if the SEC goes to nine conference games, I could see that. But you're right. Uh, Georgia does open with Clemson in Atlanta. That's a, that's next a heck of a starting. I mean, we're going to kick yeah. this season off next year, and we're going to ride it, and it's going it's going to ride us. <laughs> it's going to be like riding the hundred foot wave, so to speak. Your favorite show, but that. Uh, um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing some kind of, you know, we do the SEC, ACC basketball tournament. Yeah. I think you can do, if you want to get rid of all these uh, non-conference games, you want to, you know, the one-in-ones with Ohio State, FSU, everything, just do a conference, match up the conferences, and let's go and see what it's about. It's great with basketball, right? Bama's playing. Clemson I want to see tonight. that with uh, the SEC and the Big Ten. I would love that. I, I would love it. I'd love because we see. already get we already get some of it with the ACC because of South sure. Carolina, Clemson, Absolutely. Florida, yep. Florida State, Georgia, you know, Georgia Tech, yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I, I want to see the SEC in the big. I, I love would it. love it. I mean, yeah. you'd love to see Georgia at Ohio State, Bama at, at Michigan, or vice versa. You remember the year Penn State came to Alabama and mm -hmm. they went back and forth. That game was to the walls. We I went to that one, took the family, could barely get out. They were so excited to be there for that game. But yeah, this people that thought football was hard to watch this year, wait till next year. 
Wait, uh, wait Jamie next also time. Jamie also asking how long until the championship Saturdays for conferences are gone for extra rounds of playoffs. Look, as long as the money's right, they're gonna they're gonna try to have the best of all worlds, man. And I can That's promise true. you, ESPN didn't just write the check they wrote for the SEC coming up without the SEC championship game and as a part of that. I don't think I mean, anything when it comes to sports, I don't think anything's off the table right now. <laughs> In the NBA, they are playing an in-season tournament. Yes. Like that's did you ever expect to see that? No. Now I love it. We went to you know a couple of weekends ago, we would see the Pelicans. Friday night, we went in-season game. They got this bright purple floor. We went back Saturday, they got the normal floor. So they're going all out. They got different uniforms, they got different uh um, um courts and everything else. So I think it's possible that we see more of a basketball type situation with the scheduling and the crossover but you're right if they can play the football playoffs the conference the non-conference they can do they'll do it yeah, all they'll they play can. 23 games yeah oh yeah we'll pass they're going to pass the nfl at some point remember when we were worried about the length of the season and the impact it would have on the student athletes yeah it seems we do a long not time care ago. about them anymore. that's also back when we had 11 regular season games and then we went to 12 and then we, we had are. the conference championship games. Then we had a two-game, three-game playoff, two a semifinal, final playoff. Now we're going to 12 teams, yeah. Look, I'll be honest. I love football. I think a lot of us do. I don't just watch Alabama. I think if you love football, you're excited for what's happening right now. There's definitely going to be people on the short end probably when this, when this final four teams is announced. It doesn't seem it's going to fall – where it's a clear four. So you're yeah. going to have some teams made, you know, angry. And that's the reason they're going to 12. I still thought eight would be the next step. Um, But we just get right on to 12. You know, I'm not surprised. One day we might look up, there's a 64 team tournament. <laughs> you know, we're like, I hope Alabama makes the final four. Yeah. Football, you know, sweet yeah. 16. Went 24 and seven and won it all. Played 31 games. Travis, do you remember that year? <laughs> Oof. That one might push me out to the pasture if they go to something like 20 football games. I might go straight basketball. Hey, let's talk some basketball, Tim, as the Alabama men's team is set to host Clemson. You talked about an ACC-SEC challenge. Got it tonight as a part of that one. Crimson Tide coming off a trip to the Gulf Coast. It saw them go one and one split of games with Ohio State and Oregon. In those contests, Alabama scored 81 and 99 points, respectively, Nate Oso will tell you, hey, we gave up 91 and 92, which he doesn't like so much. Clemson comes into this game tonight at 5-0. and Haven't really seen the Tigers take on top competition as of yet. Did get a win over Davidson, did get a win over UAB. But um, what are you expecting from this Alabama team coming off the weekend? Yeah, you know, the Oregon game, I had to go back and watch after, you know, that night after the uh... – the Alabama football game, yeah. but um, the Ohio State game was a little concerning. I'm not concerned about this team, honestly. I kind of, I kind of know that, but I do worry they were a little bit beat on the boards. They, you know, I think this team's going to be a lot of how do they shoot the ball? How much do the guards play? You know, you don't have to have Patrick Ewing, a dominating big man, to win the NCAA tournament. You got to have some active live bodies. But when you get in those wrong matchups. With the big bruisers, you could have a little bit of troubles with Wagyu, you know, Pringle and those guys right now. Um, but I do think this team shoots well. Estrada, you know, 
you know, shout out. Sears came back with a really good game. Um, and again, I like the schedule. I did not expect to hit the SEC undefeated. So them losing a few games isn't a isn't a surprise to me. They've got a murder's row. Uh, I did think they had a chance to beat Ohio State, but I knew Ohio State was going to be rugged in the middle, uh, and they were. It was good to see Ryland Griffin get it going yes, against gosh, Oregon, yes, wasn't it? Yes, had had yeah. five turnovers in that game, but he finished with 17 points. And you really need him, as we saw against Ohio State down the stretch of that game, when he gets opportunities to knock down shots, he needs to do that. We saw more of that against Oregon. I don't know if it's just finding his role with this team, you know, similar to what we said last year, but um, he's a talented guy. You can see it in his shot. I mean, this isn't a guy that should be struggling like that. So I just think he's got to he's got to take that mentality of I'm going to go get mine, um, build off that last game, 17, being a little bit more aggressive tonight. That's what I'd like to see. And I mean, obviously Clemson will be a competitive team. They don't have any real tough games so far. They had a nail biter with UAB, for instance, and they you know they played a you know some of the same type teams Alabama played early on that they blew out. But they also had a tough game against Davidson, that old sneaky Davidson team. Man, that they're, you're always they're talking a nightmare about. to guard. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't trust anybody named Davidson. They run. Uh, they will. They, they run will. that system, man. They run um, it. Tigers do have a post, which kind of goes back to your point about Alabama around the rim. P.J. Hall, 6'10", 240-pounder, preseason all-ACC choice, had 27-9 and nine against UAB in the aforementioned meeting with the Blazers. And this is a Clemson team, again, against not exactly elite competition at this point, shooting the three at nearly 40%. So, again, it, it's a legitimate challenge in Tuscaloosa for Nate Oates' team. Yeah, I think, again, we applaud his effort. With, I mean, what he does with the schedule every year, because he's scheduling some games he knows he has a chance to lose. I mean, there's no – he's not scheduling these schedules trying to get undefeated into the SEC play, but he also knows it's a chance to figure out – tonight's another chance to figure out his eight-man, nine-man rotation as he heads into the SEC uh, when, when it matters. I mean, this these games matter. There's no doubt about it. All this matters for your resume down the road. But really, I think the first thing Nate Oates does, he takes a lot of pride of competing in the SEC, right? He takes a uh, lot of pride in the fact – two out of the last three, yeah. Yeah, he takes a lot of pride in like – he's like, hey, what would you rank us in 1938? He knows what you <laughs> ranked him. So you, he, he keeps the receipts. He, he doesn't keep them in his wallet. He writes them on his hand. So you, you might be a tattoo there, fifth in 2021. He might – he uh, he's definitely holding you accountable. So he takes a lot of pride in that SEC – a fiery league. And I don't even know what to make of the SEC this year. You know, when you look, you know, you got Oklahoma, Arkansas struggling. You know, when you look at the Arkansas team, you don't really expect to, expect them to, to struggle early on, expect them to have talent. They had so much last year. Kentucky's doing better than you thought because they brought in basically a whole new roster. So they, uh, the SEC's wide open. And I think a lot of teams are in the similar boat. It's across the nation trying to figure out how many, you know, figuring out your roster and everything that's going on and figuring out who's going to be your your clutch players and, you know, all that good stuff. I think Alabama in the post, Tim, maybe this is what you were saying too, is going to be what it's going to be. I, yeah. I don't see them having an upper echelon post. And I say that knowing that Grant Nelson's 6'10", 6'11". To me, he's kind of more like a Brock Bowers of basketball. Yeah. Yeah. He is 6'10", 6'11". And he can rebound, you know, and he'll try to defend and help. 
But a lot of this is going to be team-based for Alabama in terms of rim protection, shutting down driving lanes. They're going to have to communicate. They're going to have to step in. Try to keep the deny. They're going to have to. They're going to have to committee rebound, which I know they probably don't like as much because that could limit their ability to get going in transition. For all intents and purposes, Grant's an NBA small forward, basically. Yeah. I mean, he. You know, you. You know, the height went out the window back with uh, Kwame Brown who was committed to Florida, went number one. Height went out the window then. That was a guy the NBA tried to plug in the post, and he was a small forward. I covered him in AAU. And I think since that moment, you know, I wrote a story a long time ago called Kevin Garnett Burn Basketball. And it was a <laughs> version of no big guy wants to play in the post, and I don't blame him because he can sit on the perimeter and make jumpers and look great. He doesn't have to catch all those bows that you're used to seeing. So the game changed so much. But Nelson get in there and battle. I think that – that is team defense keeping him out of getting, you know, trying to deny the ball, trying to, you know, press that guard. Don't give him an open lane to get a to easy pass. But they'll have problems. They'll run into guys with bigs. Tennessee's got some bigs. Tennessee's a good team with two losses. When I'm looking at the SEC standings. Tennessee went out to that Maui Classic, which was yeah, like yeah. I mean, a sweet 16. And that, yeah, that was literally. Or elite eight. Three. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that run we we that Alabama faces, those three teams in a row. Um, Creighton, who is it? Creighton, um, Arizona, Creighton, Arizona, and Purdue. Purdue. So that that again, yeah, you're right. That's an elite eight type deal. Tennessee ran in that. They've got a couple losses. Um, everybody's got some losses except South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. I don't know who all they've been playing. I know Texas A and M's a good team. They've had some active uh, active uh, games so far. And Kentucky's another one. Tennessee, but we Florida got Florida Atlantic five. got Texas A and M over the holiday weekend. Florida Atlantic is still legit, by the way. No, no, no. That game, that was a heck, yeah. That was right. a hell of a game. That was a high-level pro game. Watch yeah, when you look, like, you look at those schedules, if you don't watch a game, sometimes you just think Texas A&M had a bad game. No, no, no. FAU, F-A-U they play ball. They are still that's that a, that's team. A, yeah, yeah, that's another nightmare. That's the thing about basketball. I've got some of my friends who follow basketball, but they don't really follow basketball. They follow basketball like football. Well, they say stupid stuff like, how you lose to Davidson? They only have a football program. I'm like, yeah. what the heck does that matter? They might lose in tennis and they don't have That's football. how you lose to them. That's all they give a damn about is basketball. Yeah, all the NIL money went to the basketball program. Yeah. I mean, that's what – yeah, but they always like, hey, go lose. You know, hey, hey, if, you know, if they lose tonight, they'll say, Clemson had a down year in football. How are you losing to them in basketball? So. Let's get into the uh, – let's get into the roundtable mailbag. How about that? You ready to do that, Tim? We got uh, your yeah. guy Tuscaloosa. Okay. Tuscaloosa's uh, yeah. getting it cranked up right out the gate. He says, say something mean about Auburn's beat writers. Tim, I can say this with 100% honesty. I don't know any of Auburn's beat writers. I guess, well, maybe one, but I've never had an issue with him. Hey, um, look, and that's in 20 years of this with BOL. Look, there's Jeffrey Lee has been a friend of mine for a long time. We worked together back in the day at Rivals at Auburn. There's a, there's a, you know, you hear the love, love, hate. Alabama's got a hate, hate towards Jeffrey. I catch some flack over there because of it. Those are guys are friends of mine. I talk to them rather regularly. They're Auburn, you know, writers. Um, I don't really Tim, have you're, you're blowing kayfabe. You're blowing well, I mean, kayfabe. You know, for me, like, I know, like, people, you know, like, I'm friends with a lot of the guys in these networks. Not because I have to be. If they're guys I hate, I just don't associate with them. But a lot of these guys I do know, they're friends. They work hard. You know, you don't have to like, I mean, the thing about it is I'm a Vic. Anything I say, I mean, I can say right now, Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers in the SEC. 
and three websites will rip me a new one. You know, of course you think, Hooli, I was a good one. You're a fan of my home. I get it all the time. I get it in messages all the time. So, of course, you're never going to agree with the way Rusty Rusty's angle at Georgia or Shea's angle at LSU. Or yeah, now LSU. I know Shea. I know Rusty. Yeah, those are 24-7 guys. We're a little bit out. Back in our Rivals days. They're the real deal. Yeah. Well, Rivals was more of a bunker. You know, we were like in a little club. You know, like you had to pay. You couldn't read every site. We'll go to 24-7. You can read every site just like you can here. So now everything you say is magnified, but I don't have anything mean to say. If I have it mean to say, I just text them. Tuscaloosa also asks, and we just addressed this, I think, what is Bama basketball's big, biggest weakness on defense right now? I know it's easy to point to the post, but I just think continuity and familiarity, too. Talked about communication. thing people forget is this is largely a new team. And where that's likely to show up more as far as being connected and cohesive, Tim, isn't that more on the defensive end maybe than even the offensive end? Yeah, I feel like they, the other teams are getting open looks more than I expected. You know, like there's a breakdown and you see – anytime you see an open guy and two guys looking or pointing at each other, you know you've got a – you know, you know you've got a little bit of communication issue. And that's some of the things you're working out. Again, you have a lot of newcomers on this roster, and that's what the preseason's for, the early games and everything, to figure that out, how to communicate. And, you know, we talk about it with Jalen Milrow, but it's the same for anybody in any sport. Experience is everything when it comes to this. Talent's obviously got you there, but the experience is what's going to take you the next level along with your work ethic. More Tuscaloosa. He says, I haven't been keeping up with UGA, but I understand they're down some playmakers. Any update on injury status of those guys? Well, we talked about that too. Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey. Uh, been difficult for Georgia to get those guys together on the field at the same time in 2023. Here's the way I'm approaching it, Tim, and I'm sure Nick Saban and that coaching staff is too. I'll believe either or both of those guys aren't playing Saturday when I see them in windsuits yeah, at kickoff. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, those I know, I don't, I'm not as familiar with Lad McConkey, but I'm guessing he's very similar to being the underdog. I mean, this is a guy like two-star guy, didn't have a lot of offers, kind of an afterthought when he committed. So he's probably got some dog in him that if he can play, you know, if I can walk, you know, take me up, put the cast on it, I'll play. I imagine he's a tough kid, and we know what Bowers is. We know that he's a, he's going to do whatever he can to play. I mean, that guy, I mean, he could have easily laid up. I mean, he's a first-round draft pick, right? He had an sure. injury. Yeah, he, he could have laid up and said, hey, I'm done. We've seen people do it. And he didn't. He took had surgery, came back as soon as he can, trying to win a win an SEC championship and a national championship. So I agree. If they can play, they will play. And I would expect to see him until you don't see him, you know? Yeah, if you don't see him at kickoff, that's when I would believe it. Batman checking in here in the uh, mailbag. I have watched the Iron Bowl all my life, he says, <clears throat> and remember all the crazy games in the 80s with Bo over the top, wrong way Bo. The kick, the Tiffin kick, et cetera. Does it seem to you the past 14 years have seen the intensity raised to a level not seen in our lifetimes? If so, what is next? The intensity level of the Iron Bowl. I, I think on the field, it's the same as it's ever been. I think maybe, Tim, because of the internet, social media, the things we have in our life now that we didn't have when Tiffin was good from 52 and 85 and those type of plays. For me, anyway, that's where probably the biggest difference is. 
I think like the intensity of the actual game and Jordan Hare's at a next level. I think you do. It's, okay. It's it well, I just like the that how competitive are those games, I guess is what I mean. Right. In Tuscaloosa, has there really been a close game while Nick Saban was there? Well, that comeback game, you yeah. know. Yeah, brutal. Look how intense. Yeah, if it's a if it's a close that's a brutal one. I wish you hadn't even said that. You and Charlie Potter messed up my whole damn week. Um, they, um, yeah, I think when you look at Auburn, I feel like most of those games are relatively close. So you, you know, you got a crowd in it for sixty minutes. In Tuscaloosa, you've seen Alabama get ahead a few times, and it's kind of just, you know, you know, and a lot of times the fans aren't rolling. You know, you're not going to roll to Tuscaloosa if you're three and eight. And Alabama's eleven and zero. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can find something else. But to I, do. I can remember some Iron Bowls going back to maybe the eighties where you had some homicides. Oh, dude, there was three after. years in a row. Yeah, there's three and years. That wasn't so. that wasn't during the internet era. So I remember the father yeah. shot the father and uh, son-in-law, yeah. or vice versa, mm-hmm. over that game. Now go back to earlier in the show where I watch it on my back porch smoking a cigar by myself. I'm guaranteed I can't shoot anybody. So I'm just saying. I'm not a role model, but sometimes I do things you might want to emulate. That's all I'm saying, people. Don't shoot your wife, don't shoot your daughter's husband. All I'm saying, but yeah, three years in a row, definitely intense. But you're right. I think the social media aspect of the username, not your real, you know, it's not Facebook. Facebook's usually your name or you and your wife's name if you've been a naughty boy. But they have um, the ability just to say whatever you want whenever you want. I think it's just you know you see. You know, you see it in every sport. Of course, I'll tell you what I wouldn't play and have social media is soccer. They are really mean to their soccer players. They are so, brutal. I mean, I look up. And the I don't managers, know why. too. Oof. Hey, I'll tell you something else. If you play sports, shut your DMs, dude. Why are you letting strangers <laughs> pop in and holler at you? Kevin Durant's got burners. Dude, Kevin's Durant, all the way in. Now, Kevin's funny on Twitter at times. He's a little sensitive, you know, but he's – He's definitely funny at times, but yeah, I don't, I think the social media has raised it. I mean, people are mad about everything. They feel safe. You know what I mean? From their mom's basement yelling. That's true. Behind, behind uh, aliases too. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy. And I get the frustration. I mean, I yell, I just, I've never been a guy not to respect the game. I respect everything that, that the guys do to get to Alabama and Georgia and Auburn and Tennessee. I know how much work they had to do. Because I've been around athletes or seen them my whole life and followed this for so long, but uh, I do agree at times they, you know, they can make plays that constitute you yelling. But I would not tweet at them. Thrill two K one, our pal checks in here in the mailbag. Who or do you see? Buddy. Who do you see as the X factor in the game Saturday for both teams? What do you think the most key stat will be to determine the outcome besides the score? Of course, he says. Well, we talked about some X factors as far as players. I think some of them are pretty obvious. Others, uh, for the Alabama defense, again, how you go about defending Georgia on a down-in and down basis uh, with the matchups in mind that they can put you in, especially if Bowers is good to go and close to at least 100%. So, you know, you start thinking about guys like Caleb Downs and all the different things he might be asked to do, Tim, on the defensive side, from playing safety, from maybe playing star, from playing the, the the money position in the dime, uh, you know, I think back to even that 2020 SEC championship game. People forget about that one with Florida, man. That was an absolute shootout in Atlanta. And remember how Alabama had to deal with Kyle Pitts in that yeah. game? And they tried like three or four guys, and it was still tough. 
Um, yeah. I think Caleb Downs may be asked to do some of all of that on Saturday. Yeah, I will say, you know, Brock's not as much of in a basketball body as Kyle was. You know, it's Ooh. a little bit – it's Kyle was a, just a mess. Six, six, two or something. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's a, in, you know, he's an NBA small forward body. Um, Bowers is a big, strong kid. What is he, six, three? So, a little bit different you're dealing with there. Um, so, two different guys, but just as effective. But uh, for me, the guys on offense, I'm kind of looking for a guy like Kobe Prentice to have a game. I mean, you know they're going to know Burton. And that's going to be a little personal. You certainly don't want him over there talking trash to you when he scores. Uh, Bonds, we know how good he is. He's had several big plays this year. But Nye Black's a sneaky guy for me, and so is Kobe. Kobe's had his moments. He's got the talent. He could be a guy to work himself open. On defense, I think it's the inside backers. What are you going to do to take away a lot of those runs? Are you going to are you going to fill the holes, find the, find the gap, fill the hole, you know, get the ball, keep them, you know, you know, second and seven, second and eight. It's a lot different for Georgia second and eight than it is second and four. And that's for every team. So um, that's the keys for me, the inside backers and, you know, find a, find a third guy. And obviously the stat to me is turnovers, right? Well, this turnover is- margin, you would think, although Alabama was plus three last week and needed a fourth and goal from the 31 to win. Now, two of those turnovers for Alabama were end of half, end of game sort of, throw yeah. up interception yeah. so it's yeah. really it was plus one but that that other one that that muff punt that type of play in a game like this tim you know, could loom large yeah absolutely i mean i think that's the one thing you want to protect the ball you know i think you know nick saban did a good job of communicating to the fan base like about Jalen is like sometimes you just give up on the play that's i think Jalen. i think Jalen has so much confidence in himself which is great and i love it but also, I think at times you're just like, I'm beat, throw it away. And we've seen that. You know, we've seen a little bit more of it, um, just throwing it away and giving up on the play. But then again, the guy that never gives up on the play, he doesn't give up on fourth and 31 either. And no. that, that mentality, you know, the thing about Jalen that was insane, if you watch that slow motion video of him eyeing down the defense, he looked as calm as he could get. Yeah. It was bananas. He was as calm as he could get. And again, that was that was a frozen row. It's one of the best throws in the history of college football is what it was. Yeah, I'm not always confident that Jalen's going to do the right thing still, but I am confident that he's confident. That yeah, that he thinks he's going to do the right thing. And at Absolutely. the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. Dude, that's it. You got to have that. I mean, what else can you do? Is every time you make a mistake as a quarterback, if you get down on yourself, and again, you know, we watch so much football. I mean, I understand quarterbacks make mistakes. I watch the NFL. I watch the NFL, and those guys stink. There's some bad, bad things happening. I saw Josh Dobbs. What about Thursday night football last Dude, night? Oof. Like, you know what I'm telling you, going to the NFL t- a tangent, how did the Bears get more primetime games than the Chiefs? They don't every Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. I don't understand who, who said. this was Justin Fields' year, Tim. I mean, Josh Dobbs missed Jordan Addison so wide open. It's like, like you can't you can't be serious right now. Boy, it is crazy too in the NFL getting off topic a little bit. How quickly the stars dim for quarterbacks in that league. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, people were just adamant about how did teams overlook Josh Dobbs. Then he throws four picks, and I hear the Vikings coach talking afterwards that we're going to explore all options. Yeah. Let me tell you the what quarterback position. That's all it takes in that league, man. I'll tell you what that is with the new quarterback. You got that new car smell, and it's similar to like it's similar to like back in the day when a foreign pitcher would show up in Major League Baseball, right? 
and there he'd have a screwball or some pitch no one had ever seen outside of Asia. And he was unhittable. And then they started watching the film. They figured it out. And he's back in Tokyo before you know it. Now, some of those guys like Fernando Valenzuela is fun, you know, top of the arch and down. But those quarterbacks, you don't know how to scout a quarterback you've never seen, right? You don't know how to scout Joshua Dobbs, right? You haven't really seen right. him. And now they know. And now there's tape. And now you kind of know. What you're getting, yeah. I mean, he started several. He started for the for the. Hey, when you trade, started your starting for the Titans late last year in a game that could have gotten them into the playoffs. I think against my Jags. Yeah, I know the Cardinals were starting him and they were doing okay. When they do that and trade you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you um, thrill two K one. I'll go with a third down conversion slash red zone touchdown conversion in this game. That's what I'll go with. Both these teams statistically really good on third downs. Alabama has been very good prior to last Saturday, really in red zone touchdown conversion rate. Had to settle for a couple of Will Reichard field goals at Jordan Hare. Um, and so that's that's where I'll go. I'll go in those areas. Uh, team that kicks the most field goals probably loses the game Saturday. Uh, Tex Titer, as we wrap it up here in the mailbag, Tim, uh, he wants the odds on Caleb Downs shutting down Brock Bowers. Um, yeah, you probably good. could get good value on that because if Bowers is at or close to 100%, I don't see you totally shutting him down. But, and I guess Tex Titer's probably joking with us a little bit here too. I'll say this, the way that you handled him, especially in the SEC championship game two years ago, you would take that right now. You would take that type of performance against him uh, because one of those plays – in the middle of the field, that was the uh, Jordan battle pick six in that game in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Yeah, I just think they get Brock the ball so many creative ways. You're not you're not going to shut him down. No. I mean, you, a lot of his stuff is yards after the catch or rushing. You know, I mean, it's not like he's just running a streak down the sideline. You know, short pass, he's just hard to tackle. He'll get 12, 14 yards on you. I know he's probably kidding, but yeah, I think you just with Bowers, you just give him what you know. You don't want him to have his best game ever, right? You don't want to. Be, you just want to keep him to Brock Bauer normal level, and then take your chances with everybody else. There you go. There is your roundtable mailbag on the latest edition of T Watts and TR right here on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Tim, anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm excited. I mean, we have uh, the coaches hitting the road next Sunday. Well, they'll start planning. I think, they, I think they'll actually go – some of them will go places to be there Monday morning early. So, I think you'll have some guys recruiting. It's all-time pitch. Got a couple um, – uh, you got a couple of official visitor weekends coming up. You got coaching changes. Billy Napier had let two guys go. Boy, it's already cranked up, dude. You got some of these coaches. If you want to know who's on the hot seat for 2024 – Look at some of the coaching changes that are already being made to staffs around the league and college yeah, football. Sacrifice, yeah, the sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. So we got a lot of coaching changes. The portal was busy the last couple of days. I got a theory. I think we go through this. The portal is going to be busy, but I think a lot of guys, it seems like more because it's busy now. Because why? We were expecting them to go in the portal on the opening day. But these guys are rushing to say, you know, they're the people lining up Thursday night for the Black Friday sale, three hours early. These guys are getting an early jump on the portal um, and prayers up for every college coach figuring out who to take yeah. and who not to take. And, you know, we saw Tyler Van Dyke 
you know, there was rumors, you know, he got seven figures to go to Miami's in the portal. Max Johnson, who's who's a pretty good football player, if you give him time, is now in the going headed to his third school. So there's some quarterbacks. There's a lot of rumors about Riley Leonard at Duke after Mike Elko left. So we're going to see a lot of quarterback action, which will be, you know. Now you wonder if Riley Leonard goes to A&M with Mike Elko. Yeah, yeah. And does maybe Max Johnson pair up with a Jeff Levy at Mississippi State? These head coach quarterback pairings, right, that you could see play out will be interesting. Yeah, if you're a first-year college coach, you're you're definitely trying to get your quarterback right. That's, that's Elko's it. Elko's a prime example. Higher staff later. Yeah. Because Will Rogers has left Mississippi State. So you're losing your you know, you're losing your starters. Now A and Aggies do have the the Connor kid who's talented coming back. So that has to factor Connor in. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good football player. He is. He can they just got offense they just got offensive line issues. Max Johnson was just yeah brutalized at times. He was. Well, uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in today. We certainly appreciate everyone that hangs out with us at BamaOnline.com. We do have our special right now, Tim, at Bama Online for new subscribers. We got a couple of them, actually. We've got a YouTube special, and then we've got our current special where you get a month of BOL for $1, new subscribers only, right there at BamaOnline.com. So if you're not a part of our family, BOL family. You need to do that today. Absolutely. All right, Tim. We'll do it again next week. All right, brother. See you. See you guys on the round table. For Tim Watts and Andrew Bone yesterday. I forgot that one. Yeah. Travis Ryer. <laughs> Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us right here on T Watts and TR. Until next time. So long, everybody.